Hello and welcome to the Simple Classroom Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Sutherland, and I firmly believe that teaching can be simpler. So the Simple Classroom Podcast exists to give you teaching tips, ideas, and hacks to simplify your most complicated teaching problems. So today we are talking to the new teachers in the house. If you are a first-year teacher or a return teacher after many years off, or a teacher who transferred to a place that is completely different from where you came from before, and you just need some advice and encouragement to make it through the year, then this is the episode for you. So let's get started. October. You can probably tell by my voice that I have a cold and I blame October. I just do. And this is the thing. I was done with all of the hard parts of October by like October 5th. So our report cards were due before we went on fall break. So I just naturally, we had the week of the I don't know, not last week, but the week before. I don't even know what that was. I feel like my last school day was the 5th, maybe. (laughs) And then I had the whole next week, Monday through Friday off. But I had to have my report cards done and submitted digitally before then. Um, Parent conferences were done before then. My copies and everything before fall break, like I laid everything out so that when I returned this past week for a full week of teaching, it was super easy to dive right in. I had everything ready to go. I've mapped out my curriculum, my lesson plans for the remainder of the month. I'm not even going to look at them again until next week. And yet here I am feeling run down, losing my voice. And it's because October is such a grind. I mean, for a lot of us, it's a grind because it's all of those things I just listed happening kind of all at the same time, right in the middle of the month. For me, even having it done earlier in the month has not made a difference in the fact that I just feel exhausted. Like it's getting darker earlier. We're really in the throes of the curriculum now. The newness of the year has completely worn off. There is no more honeymoon period or grace period for ourselves from our admin, right? No more grace period with anything. Like it's October. You should know that you're supposed to do this. But we can't extend any more grace to our kids, really, even though we want to. We're feeling that pressure now of there are things to do. We got to get going. So I keep thinking, because I'm about to get a student teacher this week, I keep thinking about how if October is wearing me down this month, this much, how is it making the new people feel? The people who were struggling really bad through August and September and will still be struggling in November and December, they're experiencing that same amount of rundown, overwhelm, exhaustion, fatigue that we're all feeling, but at like on steroids at another level completely. So today I want to talk to the new teachers. If you're not a new teacher, I recommend that you share this episode with them and then just apologize in advance and say her voice normally isn't that raspy. (laughs) If you are not a new teacher, if you're a new teacher, 
please stick with me because I promise I've got some gems coming at you of ways that you can survive this year and end the year with a conclusive idea of whether this field is right for you or not. Because you are doing one of the hardest jobs in the world. And people who have never taught before really have a hard time believing that this could be true. I mean, members of my own family have a hard time wrapping their heads around it when I start to complain about how taxing teaching is. Because on the surface, it looks like a job where we're just hanging out with kids. It's a blast. What could be hard about that? But emotionally, physically, mentally, it is such a draining job. And you give all of yourself to it for 10 months. Even if you don't want to, it's so consuming. So if you're in the midst of your first year and you're feeling like you need somebody to throw you a life preserver to keep going, I have five tips today that will help you. All right, tip number one, ask for specific help. Now, I mentioned this last week in the framework of talking to veteran teachers and admin about avoiding generic questions like, hey, can I help you with anything? Hey, what do you need me to do? Hey, I got 10 minutes. What can I do for you? Because I believe that those kinds of questions just add more work to new teachers' plates. So if you're a new teacher and someone has approached you and been like, what can I help you with? It may have made you feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Because you don't know what you don't know. And at any given moment, you have a running to-do list of about 40 things that you feel like you should be doing right that second. And when somebody ambushes you with, hey, I've got a few minutes. Can I help you with anything? You cannot stop that swirling tornado of thoughts in your head to pluck one out and go, well, could you help me with this? So what I recommend doing is while you're going through your week and things get tough and you have a specific moment where you realize you're going to need help with something, it could be since it's October, staying on theme, it could be prepping for conferences, managing a student behavior, responding to a parent email planning your small groups, whatever it is. Stop what you're doing right then and write it down. Write it down in a place where you'll remember, this is what I need help with. This is one thing that just keeps coming up that I don't really know if I'm doing it right. I don't know how to do it. I just need help. Then when you have time, go seek someone out who can help you with that specific thing. So if it makes more sense to ask a team lead, go to them. If it makes more sense to ask your cubby mate who isn't your team lead, but they've always been really nice to you and really helpful, go ask them. If it makes more sense to ask a coach or a principal, do that. But go to them with the specific thing that you realized in real time you need help with. Rather than just trying to keep the mental load all stored in your brain, trusting that you'll be able to retrieve it whenever somebody offers to help you. I wouldn't recommend that. I would recommend writing down what you need in the moment and then going and finding help for that thing one item at a time as it occurs to you. And please, as a bonus tip, do not be shy about asking for help. Everyone in your building is stressed. I mean, here I am, no voice. So if they're not going out of their way to stop and walk by your room every day at planning or check in with you every other day after school, it's not because the members of your team or your building don't want to be helpful to you. It's just often very difficult for teachers, no matter how long they've been doing this, to remember each other because we are so overloaded with our own stuff. So if you ask for help, I promise there is someone in your building, on your team somewhere who wants to help you. They just need to know when specifically you need help and how they can do it. Because when they come to you and they randomly ask you what you need help with and you're like, everything, could you just hang out with me for a week and help me with everything? That's, you know, they don't really know what they can do to specifically be impactful. 
But if you can remember, oh, well, I was planning small groups and I realized I have no idea how I should be assessing them, something like that, then you give yourself one thing you can cross off of that ever-growing to-do list of questions and things to do and one actionable way they can actually help you make progress and grow and move forward in your career. Tip number two is place firm boundaries. Now, I have a lot to say on this because there is a culture on the internet. I've talked about it on this podcast before. There is this culture out there all about never work past your contracted time. And I'd like to offer a different perspective, if I may. I think it is unrealistic and thoughtless to tell teachers, specifically new teachers, that they should just stop and walk away the second their kids walk out of the room and not look back and just believe and trust the work will be there tomorrow. I don't actually believe that you will fit everything squarely into your seven and a half hour contracted day when six to seven and six and a half to seven of those hours are with live children. I just don't. And I don't mean that you never can do it, but I mean that when everything is new to you and everything is taking you twice as long, it's probably not going to happen. Now, by year two or three or four, after you've deeply learned your job and you've established good systems and routines and you know the curriculum like the back of your hand and you can recite standards from memory, can you get it all done within the work week without taking anything home, without ever coming in early or staying late? Absolutely. I live that life now. I'm a mom of almost four and I never take things home. I always work very intentionally throughout the week to get everything done. But It wasn't until my third year when I officially stopped staying late and I stopped taking things home. It did not happen immediately, and it's not something that I think you should place the unfair expectation on your shoulders that you should be doing right now. Because the most important thing is that you learn how to be good at this job and that you learn how to teach. And then the secondary thing would be that you learn how to do it all within seven and a half hours a day, right? Now, this is what I don't recommend, I do not recommend doing what I did and during those first two years of learning how to be a teacher that you practically live at school. Like it's eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and you're still there. You're coming in at six o'clock in the morning, two hours before your contract time starts. You're working through your lunch. You're never engaging with your teammates. I don't recommend any of that because I did it and it made me hopelessly depressed and made me feel like I absolutely have to get out of this job immediately. So when I say place firm boundaries around your time, I don't mean that if you stay two hours after school and catch up on plans and prep and grades that you're doing a bad job. I think a lot of the teacher talk or Instagram culture around leave right away can make us all feel like we're failing if we decide to stay. That it's like now staying late is like a dirty word. But if you set a schedule for yourself and you put parameters around it and you say, I'm going to stay late and by late again, I don't mean until like it's bedtime. I mean like 90 minutes to two hours, pick a day or two to do that. And you say like, I'm going to do it on Mondays and Wednesdays or pick one day of your weekend and say, I'm going to work a bunch on Sundays, but I'm taking Saturdays totally off and I'm not going to work in the evenings. Figure out what works for you that helps you feel like I'm getting things done. I'm not scrambling every day. I don't feel completely behind because I keep leaving my work at work and then the work keeps piling up, but I'm also taking very consistent breaks from it where I'm going home and I'm just watching The Bachelor. 
I'm not going home and watching The Bachelor and grading papers, or I'm just going to dinner with my friends. I'm not sitting there going like, oh, guys, I can give you like an hour, but I got to get home because I got a whole lesson plan to plan for tomorrow, and I'm going to make an anchor chart for it, and I'm going to print a bunch of stuff. No. Set a schedule for yourself. Stick to it. Be disciplined with it about not staying late every night, but stay after school every once in a while if that's what you need to do to learn how to do your job well. It will serve you well in the long run. Just tell yourself, this isn't forever. This is what I need to do to be successful this first year. And staying until five o'clock does not make me a bad teacher. It makes me maybe a smart teacher, maybe a teacher who will have a leg up on everyone else in a couple of years because I will be leaving at three o'clock in the future, but also my kid's data won't drop because I will know how to do this job so well. Just figure out what works for you. And if staying late at all, like staying after or coming in early, makes you feel overwhelmed and upset, make it your mission to stop as soon as possible. You can do it sooner if you really, really want to, but it takes a lot of intentionality and essentially closing yourself off from your team anytime that you have an open prep period. If you want my free course about how I do that each week, I do have the link in the show notes. Um, It's a five email mini course that will talk you through the routines that I follow to make sure that I don't take things home on the weekends. Because like I said, I'm pregnant, got three kids, fourth one on the way. There is no level of schoolwork I physically can even take home. (laughs) But I don't let my job suffer either. It's important to me that I'm good at my job and good at being a mom when I'm home. And in order to balance both, I have to maximize every second of the school day to its potential. So the free e-course is all about how I do that. If you want it and you want to jump in and get those five emails, click the link in the show notes. Now, tip number three, be realistic with how long tasks take you to do. During your first year, I highly recommend that you actually time yourself doing different things. Like how much time are you spending on replying to a parent email? How much time are you spending on your weekly newsletter? How much time do you spend grading essays? Get a sense of how much time it's taking you so you have a realistic idea of what you can fit into your planning time on different days so you know what you can get done during the week and what you may have to save for later. While you're learning how to do it, you will get faster. But if you say, all right, I'm going to stay after every Monday and work for 90 minutes, that's what I'm going to give myself to get things done. Do not make this unrealistic, dreamy to-do list of 40 things. That's basically everything that you need to get done by the end of the week and then not be able to get it all done and mentally beat yourself up. Wait, am I speaking from personal experience? Maybe, maybe that's exactly what I did. Um, Don't underestimate how long things will take you while you're learning how to do them. It's your first time. It's your first time writing plans, communicating with parents, grading things. Everything's going to take you longer than it will a year from now or even six months from now. So be patient with yourself and be realistic about what you can get done each week to stop yourself from feeling like a failure because that constant feeling of I'm failing, I'm behind, I wanted to have this done by today and it's not done. That mental dialogue of I'm doing a bad job at this is a surefire way to make you feel like you actually are doing a bad job when you're not. Be realistic. Be realistic with yourself, what you can do, how long it takes you to do it, and how much time you're going to need to get everything done so that you don't feel like you're struggling. All right, tip number four is be a copycat. There is no shame in being a copycat during the season. Does your team lead have a planning routine that makes a lot of sense to you and she's knocking things out really fast? Copy it. 
ask her for a copy of the template. And if she minds, if you do the same thing with your own plans for your room, um, did a math coach model a number talk for you and say, by the way, you're required to do these. And before she came in and said that you'd never heard of a number talk before, just copy exactly what she did for a while. Copycatting can get you by. It's like the fake it till you make it mentality, right? Copy what other people are doing that is proven to be successful for them until you get a sense of what will work for you. Because eventually you will develop your own teaching style, your own routines, your own flair, but that takes time. And spoiler, it often takes a full year or two to really feel like you're in your groove and you can add your own pizzazz to the curriculum or your own style and your own routines to things. So as you're learning, take what's working and use it. Don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel around every corner or that because you just graduated from college, you should know this because every school is different. Every environment's different. Expectations are different everywhere. So find what's working for the people in your building who are finding success with the community that you're currently teaching and with the admin that you currently have and shamelessly copy them to get you through. And then as you find pieces of it that don't work as well as you want them to, tweak it. And then you'll have something that looks completely different eventually, but the bones of it will be the same. The bones of it will be something that you know works because you got it from somebody who already found that it worked. And tip number five, this is a biggie. Give yourself a full year to know how to really feel. If you feel right now that you don't like teaching or that you could never do this again, I'm going to recommend that you hang on. Now, not if you're dealing with something really extreme. Of course, I don't advocate for like, you have like an abusive situation going on or you have a parent who is out to sue and it's just been traumatic um, or you're being physically harmed at your job. I have heard horror stories from across the country. I don't recommend that anybody sticks out something that is going to be super harmful for them in the long term. But what I am going to tell you is my own personal story about this. So during my first year of teaching, I guys, I can't even express to you how rigorous my college student teaching experience was. So rigorous, so robust, really exposed me to the grind of teaching. Um, We were dumped in a classroom for a full year. We had to start when the teacher started in July, and we had to stay until the last day around Memorial Day. We had to go to every staff meeting, every in-service day, everything. We had to basically work the full contracted year, the full 180 days that teachers worked, but we also had to write a thesis and get a master's at the same time. So I was teaching all day unpaid, and then I was going to grad school classes at night unpaid. I have a lot of debt to this day because of this program, but I was thrown into it. I sat in on all the parent conferences. Every time my mentor teacher got a negative email, I read it, I heard about it. I was observed like crazy by the principal of that school, by my professors, by other teachers in the building. I was thrown into classrooms last minute to go sub. Like I was run through the ringer. And yet, I came in to do it for by myself for the first time, my first year of teaching, and I was stunned at how hard it was. Stunned. I was ready to quit by October. I was starting to Google things like jobs you can do with a teaching degree that are not teaching, like in the fall. In January, I started actually making some moves. I actively applied for positions outside of the field of education. In February, I started interviewing. By March, 
I'd made it to the final round of interviews for a nonprofit organization and they were interested in hiring me. So they asked to speak to my current boss as a reference and I chickened out, completely pulled myself out of the running, just emailed back and said, thank you so much for the consideration. But I'm actually, I, I explained, I felt too guilty about quitting my job. I'm a teacher and it was March. There were only two months left of the school year. And I thought I can't quit now. Like, what a terrible person I would be if I left these kids with a sub for the last eight weeks of the year. So I pulled myself out of the race of that per, like particular position, and I told myself that I'd finish the year and get serious about applying for something over the summer. So I went through most of that last quarter of school secretly believing that this was this was it for me. I tried it, gave it a fair shot, not for me, no thank you. And then the last month of school arrived. And then the last day arrived. And the emotions were running so high. I'm not kidding. First, when you make it to that finish line, after everything you've been through with those kids, all of the small group instruction, all of the pushing, all of the testing, all of the standards that you've had to learn, all of the tears, the fights, all of it. And you guys cross that finish line together and you conquered something that was so hard. And while doing it, you made a difference. It's so life-giving. And when the kids start really expressing, like they're crying on the last day of school and they're starting to express how much you meant to them and how glad they were that you were their teacher, you start to really feel like, oh my gosh, what if I'd given up on these kids? It's the stuff dreams are made of. So I made it to the end of my first year. I bawled my eyes out. I was partially really proud of myself for doing it because it was something hard that I grew a lot as a human and as a professional in that time. But I was really actually so proud of my kids. I couldn't believe that we'd stuck out 180 days together and we'd all come out of it better. They were smarter. They were ready for fifth grade. I was ready to take a break. And I absolutely felt like I could do this again. This was like, now I see, now that I made it to the end, now I see that every single year you're starting over and every single year there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a finish line. And the name of the game is to cross that finish line with as much of yourself intact as possible while also promoting as much growth in your students as possible. And it's a challenge. It's not that I've ever had a year where I'm like, well, this is so easy. It doesn't drain me. But what I've learned is that you can absolutely cross that finish line completely intact. Like you do not have to give up all of yourself to the job. So everything everyone told me about the second year was true. It was easier than the first. And then when people said, well, and then it just gets easier from there. They weren't lying. It does. It does get easier, but it gets easier because you get better. It's not easier because the workload lessens. It's that you spend less hours on it because you're way faster than you used to be. You're way more thoughtful and insightful than you used to be. So you can diagnose an issue with a kid a lot faster than you used to be able to. And you can recall prior experience and how to deal with it a lot faster than you ever could before. So all of a sudden, you're navigating parent emails like it's no big deal, student behaviors like they're no big deal. You're conquering everything in your classroom, and you're not going home feeling like it took everything out of you. And then before you know it, you have a year where you're like, well, I'm not getting any parent emails. I guess I must be doing a good job. (laughs) Like Nobody's concerned about what I'm doing. They trust me. They inherently believe that I'm doing the right thing by their kids. And then the magic really starts to happen when you realize The community trusts me. The kids trust me. 
I have free reign here to just build relationships and promote a ton of growth, then you start to find that beautiful balance of I go home and I'm me and I come in and I'm a teacher and I can separate the two really nicely. Now, if you make it to the last day of school and none of those emotions hit you, you know this job is not for you. But if you don't make it to that last day, that finish line, and cross it together with your kids, you will never know what that feels like. And therefore, I believe you'll never know if you made the right choice for yourself in becoming a teacher. And if you can hang on to the hope that nothing is ever as hard in teaching as the first year is, then although there are moments in this year that you're going to have, where you're going to be like, I don't care if it gets easier, like this is too bad. I promise you there are things about it in the future that are worth it if you're willing to stick it out and find them. All right. I hope that these five tips give you some peace and some encouragement to believe that you really can do this if you want to. If you really, if being a teacher is what you dreamed of being since you were a little kid, I promise it is not all stress and anxiety and horror. I promise. I promise. There are great days. There is laughter. There are funny moments. There are relationships that will last forever. I have students from that first class that I had and the one that I almost quit. I have kids who have found me on social media and they DM me and they keep up with me and they want to know about my kids and my husband and they want to know about my life now and they want to tell me about their lives. They remember you. They really do. So all of that to say, you can do this. You already did so much to get here. You can absolutely do this, but you need a support system along the way. Find your support system in your school building to help carry you through the really hard times. And if you can't find anybody that you trust well enough in your school to really open up to, please know that my inbox is always here and I have nothing but empathy for the new teachers of the world. All right. And again, if you're listening to this and you are not a new teacher, please share this episode with somebody who you think needs it, who might be struggling in their first year so they can get a little dose of encouragement as well. Have a great week teaching everybody and I'll talk to you next time.